Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Amen. What a blessing to be here again with you tonight. I believe God wants to help us get some insight and something what I consider perhaps one of the most important issues that any Christian will face. And so we want to look into Matthew 18 in a moment. I had a uh, a man in my church got saved in Madagascar. God was doing something wonderful in his life. Uh, uh, he came in, his family of six, and, uh, you know, immediately just became faithful. And God, you can turn this down just a little bit. It's a little hot now. I don't know, he made it. And so he was very excited about what was happening in the church. He was. Uh, uh, the kind of guy that I would always want to include whenever I would get together with the men, uh, because he he made visitors feel welcome and kept the conversation going, and and uh, so he had opportunity in the church, very prominent. But over time, things began to change in this man's life. I didn't notice it initially, uh, but in time, things began to manifest. Uh, him, his wife. Uh, uh, there were some conflicts, uh, you know, I was quizzing them about it, it discovered that he uh, felt offended by another brother in the church, uh, although it really wasn't anything, it was all pretty much in his imagination, he was driven by envy, uh, but unfortunately this changed this gentleman and he was unable to overcome uh, what turned out to be unforgiveness, it later turned to bitterness, and finally it ruined everything. He's out of the church, the family's out of the church. It was a very sad ending to what seemed like a very promising beginning. And it helps illustrate what I want to talk about this evening, and that is the need for you and I to be able to successfully forgive others. And so this scripture we're going to read in a moment, beginning in verse 21. If you have your Bible, Matthew 18, 21, we're going to read down through verse 35. Peter comes to Jesus with a question about forgiveness. And so Jesus, in addressing that, uh, uses a parable to, uh, you know, give some, uh, some of the dynamics that are involved in uh, relationships and the challenge that we all face to forgive others. I want to talk about how to successfully forgive this evening. Let's begin reading verse 21. It says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Then he begins uh, teaching this parable. He says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, and the servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, and released him, and forgave him the debt. 
But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him three, or excuse me, owed him a hundred denarii. That's about three dollars. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. But he would not and uh, went and threw him into the prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the tortures until he should pay all that was due to him. Then verse 35, Jesus draws a conclusion or the moral of the story. And he says, so my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. I want to consider first of you the struggle to forgive. Now, Peter comes to Jesus because he's facing a common problem something has happened we don't know the backstory we don't know who did what who said what all we know is that peter understands he needs to forgive someone and it seems obvious by his question that he's struggling with this whole thing perhaps because it's been an ongoing issue he mentions up to seven times and so perhaps he was at number seven and he's, you know, he's headed up to here with this person, uh, and, and he's fed up, and he's, uh, you know, uh, just saying, you know, enough's enough. Uh, and uh, I think sometimes, uh, you know, we're hoping that maybe we uh, can reach the limit of our need to forgive, and we can remain angry and frustrated at whoever, uh, for whatever they may have done. That's what Peter, he's hoping somehow and wondering, is there a limit to this thing? Jesus uses this opportunity to teach Peter, and by extension, the Holy Spirit has put it into our Bible to help us. And Jesus spoke a lot about uh, our need to forgive. You know, Jesus, we believe as Christians in His place, and one of our tenets of faith is that we believe that Jesus was God, born of the, into the flesh, uh, born of a virgin. Uh, he was, yes, man, but He was God, uh, but He lived here among human beings. Even though he was perfect, sinless, he lived among sinful people. People that were subject to the whims of the flesh. And, and uh, he saw when people did things that they should not do and say things and, and how it impacted other people. He saw when they were frustrated and angry and, and no doubt there were moments of violence and those that were hurt by what others did and said to them. He worked in business. Probably had a few frustrated customers. And he saw those around him, other shopkeepers and vendors who were no doubt, uh, you know, having issues with the customers, etc. And so, you know, Jesus, he saw all this and he understood how people were hurt and suffering because of what others did to them. And he knows that as human beings, we have a constant need and challenge to forgive. Verse 21. Very interesting, Peter says this, and Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. So, you know, he mentions brother. This could have been his natural brother. 
Peter had a brother, Andrew, one of the other disciples, was his brother. And uh, you know how it is in families, often there are conflicts. You know, divorce happens because one or uh, both of the partners are unable or unwilling to forgive the other one. Much violence in homes. There's abuse in homes. Uh, People screaming at each other, throwing things. Uh, People saying things that hurt uh, uh, others. And so uh, uh, many times the husbands against wives, mothers against children, uh, children fighting with uh, amongst themselves. Uh, And so this is very common. Uh, You know, perhaps even in your own family, uh, uh, there are, uh, you know, have been and perhaps even now conflicts that are going on. But I thought, well, you know, maybe this was his spiritual brother. You know, there were the the 12 disciples and you kind of get the idea that everyone was just in love with one another and everything was wonderful. But the Gospels record that more than once uh, they came to Jesus and they were asking Jesus, uh, we need you to settle something right here, right now. We want to know who's the greatest among us. Now think about that. For you to wonder that, that means you had to look at the other disciples and think, you know what? I'm better than you, bro. Let's just face it. I'm smarter, more clever, better looking. You got issues. And in fact, you know, they heard, you know, these disciples ask Jesus this question, and it says they were very angry about it. Because how do you feel when you get around somebody and they think they're better than you? Oh, you think you're better than me? I'll show you who's better right now. Isn't that our normal response? And so, you know, often in churches, is bringing home. You know, there are conflicts. You know, we come into the church and, you know, you're all dressed nice and you're all smiling and everything looks wonderful. But, you know, I'm, I'm not naive enough to think that there, there aren't some moments where things are not so uh, wonderful. Uh, you know, we, we come into the church and often we carry a lot of baggage. We're not perfect. We're a work in progress. And so as we try to interact with one another, we're involved in ministry activity, you know, bands and, you know, ushering children, you name it. And unfortunately, not everybody is as, as you know, punctual or, or as faithful or putting their whole heart into it. And so it's easy to get frustrated at those who are less than perfect. Things are said. Attitudes develop. Next thing you know, there's conflict. And you're sitting on one side of the church and they're on the other. Or they decide to find the exit because of some conflict in the church. This is actually a very common thing. Sometimes the people that are closest to us are able to hurt us the most. And the truth is that forgiveness involves relationships with other people. Then the devil gets involved. He loves conflict. He's always busy trying to create situations uh, where people might say or do the wrong thing. He wants to put us in a pressure cooker of, of, of uh, you know, situations where there's tension and, and sometimes our character flaws and personality quirks will manifest and people will take it the wrong way. And don't have the grace that perhaps they should. And then he tries to juice it up. 
He tries to make it bigger than it really is. He, he uh, comes to us and whispers to You know, most people hear the devil very well. It's God they have a hard time hearing from. But the devil, boy, it's a hotline to hell right there. Very quick and easy for us to relate to what the devil would say to us. And then the devil notices our reactions. He studies us. He's here in church tonight. No, he's not your husband. I mean, you know, he, you know. But he's very faithful to church, by the way. He's in every program. He's at every prayer meeting. Every outreach. And so, you know, he notices how we respond. You know, we, we even are like that. We can recognize when somebody gets angry. We see it. It's written on their face. And so he makes good notes. That bothers him. Okay, he knows how to push our buttons. He's very diligent to do just that. And then he whispers hateful, angry thoughts into our minds. He wants to change us from godly, loving men and women to being bitter and hateful. He likes to remind us of past violations and abuse because he knows how it impacts us. So that brings us to the need to forgive. Well, when do you need to forgive, Pastor? Well, whenever somebody hurts us by their words or actions, when there's been a conflict, arguments, disagreements, when we've been disappointed or frustrated or offended or what others have done. And are there times when we don't need to forgive? Well, that's what Peter was wondering. And Jesus answered him by saying, I don't say up to you, to you up to seven times, but I say 70 times seven. Now, you know, we can do the math, can't we? And we have smartphones and get pull up the app. Hey, that, that's 490 times. You know what, brother? That's the 489th time. <laughs> One more time, and I am free. But that's not what he's saying right there. It's not an issue how many times. The point is, is that that is a poetic way, a hyperbole of how Jesus would respond. He would say things and use these kinds of examples. And is the essence of that statement was, it's without end. It's not for us to count 490 times. Because we, there's no way we can keep track of that. And so it's always. Someone said the wonderful thing about heaven is that when we get there, everyone will finally act like Christians. <laughs> but until then, we have to deal with one another, you know. I remember my wife and I, when we were announced to go to Romania, it was a very wonderful time, and Pastor and his wife understand that some of the dynamics that are involved in that. I did it twice. And so, uh, uh, you know, it, it's an exciting time, but at the, at the same time, it's very stressful. So many things. Hey, you know, I, I had to sell my house. I, you know, I, get, I just got rid of everything. I went. I didn't ship a container. I just shipped over boxes on the plane with me. And uh, you know, so it's all this that's going on. And right in the midst of this, I had been working for this guy, and he and his wife, who was my wife's sister, decided to get into this very nasty divorce. And you know, this is a family thing, and you know how families are. You're all interconnected. You know. And my wife's mother at the time, she was older and she was having the dementia problems and she had been living in a facility, assisted living. And while there, she met this Czechoslovakian woman and fell in love with her. 
treated her like her own mom. It was just, we all recognized it. We thought, uh, hey, let's uh, take mom out of the assisted living situation, put her with this family. In order to do that, we, we got this home. And, and so this family, Czechoslovakian family, lived there. My wife's mother lived there. It was just wonderful arrangement. I mean, this home was lovely. I went there and I wanted to live there. It was like, you know, it was like opening a, a one of those magazines, you know, women's magazines, just beautifully decorated, and it just had such an atmosphere of peace, and it was just this wonderful situation. Well, in the divorce, uh, my wife's sister, desperate, she went from living, you know, because her husband was a real estate broker making big money, to now she had no money. And here is mom, and she was living right next door, and mom's, uh, you know, retirement is paying all the bills of this family, and she thought, ah. I'll just kick the Czechoslovakian family to the curb and I'll move mom in with me and I'll care for mom. And then I, mom can pay my bills. But she was an alcoholic. She had big problems of her own. That was not going to work. We said no. Well, that wasn't good enough. She had uh, her father who was different than my wife's father, you know, uh, blended family, et cetera. So, but he had money. So he bankrolls her hiring an attorney. Well, this attorney, this bulldog attorney is sick on me. I became public enemy number one because I was saying no. Next thing you know, we're in court. They're making accusations of embezzlement, etc. And I have to hire an attorney. Six thousand U.S. dollars I paid, and that was a deal. And so we're having to drive down. I'm trying to leave the country. We're having to drive down two hours to the court, and here we are. You, you got to understand. This is my wife's sister. That's where we went for Christmas. That's where he went for Thanksgiving. And other days, they lived at the beach. So you know how it is. You know, everyone wants to go to the beach, you know. And, and, uh, and so, you know, there they are down the hallway. We're waiting to get into court. And there they are, their family and their bulldog attorney looking at us. And they're going, <laughs> and my wife and my attorney. And, and my wife's just broken. I mean, this is her family destroyed. No peace immediately. Just can't sleep. And, and in the midst of that, they demanded a 10-year audit because they made accusations about financial impropriety and I'm having to prove otherwise. And, and so late at night, I'm working on the computer. You know, we, you know and they, they had, it's called discovery, and I had to uh, provide. I even asked my attorney, what is it they want? You know, and I'm, you know, just the way my mind thinks, okay, I don't care. I filled a banker's box, solid, reams of paper with reports because that's just how i think well i guess that's what they want i get to the the uh, you know the court date and uh, we're answering their discovery and so i lift up this banker's box and it's pretty heavy you know all this paper put it up on the evidence table and the, and the judge goes what's that that's answering their discovery oh they can't look at any of that stuff they can just look at the last check register was only half you know, half used up. You know how it is. You make a little notation. You spent this money in a cryptic little memo. Where were you when I was trying to figure this out? The need to forgive. Why does God make such a big deal about this when other people many times are at fault? Well, someone said it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And that's because of how unforgiveness impacts our life. You know, it works to destroy us in many ways. One of those is our emotions are drastically impacted. 
When you're in a conflict with somebody, the first thing you lose is your peace. You're agitated, you're frustrated. Confusion sets in, you can't sleep because you want to have it resolved and it's not getting resolved. And then that leads to an impact on your health. Many people have physical issues as a direct result of conflicts. You know the number one reason why Christians can't get healed is because of unforgiveness. I know a woman who went through a very nasty divorce. This guy was a former pastor, in fact, and he just went off the deep end. And it was so nasty and all the fighting and everything, kids involved and all of this, and she lost all of her hair. And to this day, she wears a wig years later. I asked Pastor Mitchell about dementia and Alzheimer's and the cause, and a lot of times there's, you know, certain sins are linked to certain diseases, and he goes, it's unforgiveness. I read an article once that talked about the people that were in uh, mental health hospitals that were, had lost their mind, and, and the disc doctor's conclusion after studying was that these people, these people could not find forgiveness for themselves and could not find forgiveness towards other people. It also influences our attitudes and our behaviors. See, it lingers there. And it now has an influence on how we interact with other people. In our text, uh, this man, after having been forgiven $3 million, Jesus says, uh, goes out and finds one of his fellow servants. uh, And instead of having grace in his heart, it tells us in verse 28, but that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him $3, laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. This guy's a homicidal maniac. He's out of his mind. You don't don't take somebody by the throat unless you intend to do great bodily harm. He's trying to kill this guy. That's what I noticed in this man in my church. When I discovered what was going on, I I realized that his attitude had changed. He, he He was withdrawn. And, and frustrated and had nothing good to say and about this other man who was also very prominent. As a matter of fact, he's the pastor now of the church. And so this is a bad scene, as you can imagine. And so this is what happens many times is unresolved conflict and this unforgiveness as it continues to work and the heart begins to change us. You know, very seldom do you find an older individual with an easy smile and a gentle, gracious attitude. You know what you find? The older people get, the more they become kind of twisted and bitter. You know why? Because of the woundings. The woundings. Years of violation and abuse working in their heart that they've been unable overcome and be able to successfully forgive. It also changes us spiritually. In our text, verse 34 and 35, then his master was angry and delivered him to the tortures until he should pay all that was due to him. Then Jesus says, so my heavenly father, that's also our heavenly father, also will do to you if each of you from his heart you're like This is the problem right here. See, he's saying you have to successfully forgive. It's the heart. 
thought a great Bible study series would be the threats of Jesus. I mean, you know, you could tone it down and call the strong suggestions, the advice. You know, much of what Jesus talked about in the, in, you know, in all through the Gospels and in the parables actually were a threat to our future. He says, so will my heavenly Father do to you. If each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. So this has serious consequences. In other words, we're talking eternal consequences. He warns many times throughout the Gospels of our need to forgive. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. So, forgiveness from God is conditional. Uh, I would imagine, how many want God to forgive your sins? I think it's universal. We, we, we need that. But Jesus is saying, if there's an issue in your heart of unforgiveness towards someone else, guess what? Your sins are not forgiven. That could be a big problem on Judgment Day. That's why he's preaching this. That's why he's challenging us. And so God commands us to forgive, Ephesians 4, 30-32, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed. For the day of redemption, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. So God commands us, and we can read that, but sometimes we don't. Perhaps because of the pain we feel. Fresh. We can remember the betrayal and the violation and the abuse. Words were spoken, acts were committed, and we feel offended and hurt. How do we know that we have a need or still need to forgive someone? I know I'm not the first one to preach on this, you know. Perhaps your pastor's preached many sermons on this. You've come to the altar in sincerity and knelt down and said, you know, I forgive everyone. And I wish that I could tell you tonight that if you do that, then it's solved. But that's where the error enters. It's not always that easy. This is the problem when we want to successfully forgive. So how do you know? What's the evidence? What are the symptoms? Well, how do you feel when you think about what happened? Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one. On the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four. 
Our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. When you begin to remember the words that were spoken, or what happens when it's an ongoing problem? Seven times, Peter said. People don't change, and people don't become the people we would like them to be, and it's an ongoing issue, and we still have to face them over and over again. How does it make you feel when you're confronted by what was done? Angry? Upset? Hurt? Vengeful? You know, this is especially true for women. You know, women have a gift. Every husband quickly discovers this gift. They can remember things. You said that exact same thing 12 years ago. I remember it was a Tuesday night. And you were wearing that same ugly green sweater. I told you to throw that away and you still have it. Now that gift is wonderful if you lose your keys, but it can be a real curse when there's been a conflict or some violation. Because it's like they're reliving it over again comes back to us. It's like 3D. It's like every single thing, the whole nuance, the atmosphere, all that took place. It's like they're reliving what had happened. People can be so cruel and sometimes violations are repeated over and over again. See, those are symptoms that we still have unforgiveness in the heart. See, unforgiveness is like a weed. If you've ever tried to grow a garden, you know, you, you got a little plot, little area in your yard, and you have imagined, you know, backyard. Oh, wouldn't that be lovely, you know? Uh, you know I could just dig up that area, and I could plant some flowers, and you go down to Lowe's or Home Depot, and you buy, you know, some perennials and some, you know, fertilizer, and you get all the tools, and, and you're busy doing that, and you plant everything, and it looks, oh, and you're enjoying it you're you know sitting in your backyard sipping an iced tea and oh look at that but you know two weeks later it dies and and but what is amazing is that in its place grow these weeds and you don't have to do anything you know weeds are supernatural you have to do nothing and they just grow and and so you think well the weed what's it doing in my garden you know and so you reach in here and pulling and you breaks off and you say, okay, I got that. But then, a little while later, some sunshine, a little rain, guess what? It starts growing again. Because even though you pulled it out, you didn't get all of it because remaining down below the surface is the roots. It's interesting, when Paul talked about the roots of bitterness, he was talking about conflict. And so we know the term stronghold. That's what the roots have developed. They're holding on to the dirt. You try to pull it out, but it's not wanting to let go. And you come to the altar and say, God, I forgive. What you've often done is you've just taken the top of it. And what remains is the stronghold 
or the roots of bitterness that have grown down into the heart and are holding on and don't want to let go. So that brings us to the need to successfully forgive, and that's what I want to finish and talk about. We need God's help. You know, interesting that the first thing that we experience from God is his forgiveness. It's a godly trait. Just because it comes from God, it is a supernatural thing. And if we're going to be able to, uh, you know, give that same kind of forgiveness, we're going to need God's help. And the Bible gives us some strategies to follow. There's four things that we can do to successfully forgive. The first is we need to remember how God forgave us. Even in our story in verse 33, Jesus uh, says that should, not, uh, should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? Now that's a rhetorical question. In other words, the answer is yes. Yeah, you should. And so this is our primary motive. When we you know, have any kind of conflict with somebody, they violated us in some way, and, and you, know, you don't have to live very long before that's going to happen to you. And probably repeatedly, and it never stops. And so Jesus is saying, you know what? Because of what God has done for us, our primary uh, motivation should be, yes, we forgive because of what he did for us. Amen. How many are thankful for that? And how often has God done that? Seven times? Seventy times seven? That was just today. You know, we lose count, don't we? We don't keep track. But we fully expect that each and every time that if we go to him in sincerity, tell him we're sorry, he's going to forgive us. And how many of our sins? He says he cleanses us from all our unrighteousness. That's the promise we have. Hallelujah. That is the gospel message. So we have to remember that. Every time somebody makes us angry or we get frustrated or hurt. The second thing is it takes faith. Luke 17, Jesus again is speaking, verses 3 through 5. He says, Take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day he returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Verse 5, And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. Now that's a strange combination of ideas that they just made. They, 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 they immediately connected faith with this challenge to forgive. Well, why is that? Because part of us wants to punish the other person. We want justice. We want our pound of flesh. Not only that, but I want to teach you a lesson. So you don't do that again. Come on. We want to up the ante, don't we? Oh, you, oh, you wait. In the Malagasy culture, they have a, uh, a saying that basically means that when you've been violated, you keep the knife inside your coat. And what that means is you're just waiting for your opportunity to get even. And so it takes faith to believe that somehow that if you choose to forgive, God's going to work it out. Paul also commenting on this same idea in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, says, Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Now, you read that and you think to yourself, okay, I don't have to deal with you, God's going to get you. 
Hallelujah. God, listen, can you let me know when you're going to do that? I want to get some video. Because we, there's some gratification, some sick fleshly gratification that we get when we see others suffer for what they've done. It's in all of us. And so, you know, I don't know about you, but when, you know, I've been angry at somebody, I get, you know, flashes of genius of how I can get back at them. Violent things. Running up and just, you know, there's their car. Where's a knife, you know? Just let out the air. I mean, you know, we can get pretty creative. That deviousness is in the heart. God, I've got some great ideas how you can do that. <laughs> but then he goes on in verse 20 and 21. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Rat poison. <laughs> if he is thirsty, give him the drink. Battery acid. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on it. Doesn't that sound painful? Coals of fire on the head. I mean, you know, smell. I can just almost smell the singed hair and, and the melting skin. And yeah, God knows how to do it. Hallelujah. He doesn't need my help. But then he goes on. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So maybe what he's saying is, not hurting the other people. Maybe vengeance is not just about punishment. It's more like God is saying, you know what, let me sort it out. Let me deal with it. Okay, I, I, I know what happened. And I think that second part where he says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And you could, you know, you can look at it in a number of different ways, but for me, I think what God is saying is I will compensate you. It's a promise that he will compensate us for anything that we have suffered. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. They have violated me, they have frustrated me, they've done something I didn't like, and somehow my life is diminished because of what they have done. It's hurt me. And we think, yeah, there's a price to pay. Well, he says, I will repay. So God is saying to you and I, I will compensate you if you will trust me and choose to forgive. Even in the court system, if you've ever been involved or done any kind of reading or studying, you discover that even in the court system, when there's a party that's injured another party, the judge will give a, a, a compensation to the injured party in what's called punitive damages. Where did that come from? They came from God. Our court system is actually based on the Bible. Did you know that? And so they recognize that, and so it's in our court system. It happens every day. And so God is a righteous God who keeps good books. And so how He's going to do that is that you can't always like connect the dots. But I think somehow is that we choose to forgive. God acknowledges that in our life. Somewhere along the line, you're probably going to need God's help and blessing. So it's like, I think it's like this. God just dumps extra blessing in the, in the spiritual blessing slush fund. And there's going to come a moment in your life where you're going to need something. A little something extra. And God said, well, yeah. You chose to forgive that person, you trusted me. See, we have to trust God. We have to let it go. See, because our natural reaction is to mete out justice 
and to take vengeance for what we've experienced. We have to say, no, God's going to deal with it. That brings us to our next point, Matthew 5, verses 43 and 44. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And so the third thing involves this. You can't speak bad about them. See, what happens many times is we can't do anything physical to the people who are guilty. But we do have opportunity. We've been violated. We've been hurt. We're sad about that. And so, you know, we wear it on our sleeve. We're sad. Somebody notices that, which we are hoping, you know, what's the matter, sister? You seem down to, oh, it's nothing. No, I can tell you're, you, you seem upset. Well, and you can tell, no, I shouldn't talk about No, you can tell me. Really? <laughs> and then we go, bleh, bleh, bleh. and we throw up our bitter feelings onto them and we begin to share our story about what this other person did and you know and so as we do that unfortunately that person is influenced now and as they hear the bad things that happened to you their friend guess what they take on that same spirit and now they may not have had a problem with this other person but because of how you feel and what happened to you, now they take on that same attitude towards that other person. And it changes their perspective and their attitude towards them. And this is the essence of witchcraft. And the Bible says that gossip is like witchcraft. It's a form of witchcraft because of the influence. It manipulates the way other people think and their attitude and eventually their behavior towards somebody else. And God hates it. And now, no matter what had happened to you, you know, and it may have been very terrible, I don't make light of that, but when you begin to gossip, guess what? You've crossed the line, and now you have sinned before God. And now you are facing His judgment. That's why Jesus says, bless those who curse you. The word bless in its basic form means to say something good about. And the word curse means to say something bad about. And so Jesus is saying you can't curse them. When you gossip, you're cursing. It's just another way that you have found to pull out the knife. Another way we describe gossip is character assassination. And so what we're hoping is that somehow when we speak to somebody, then you know how everybody has a confidant? They hear you, and guess what? They share it with someone who then hears and shares with somebody. Eventually it gets all around, and we're hoping that it's going to get into the ears of the one we're really angry at so they can know how we really feel. Jesus is saying you can't do that. Now they may be doing it to you, because that's how people are. He said, no, you have to bless them. Now, you might have to get creative because, you know, you've been spending hours and hours of thinking just how they're the spawn of Satan themselves. You know, it's like, ah, they're a wicked incarnate. And I guarantee you, God will test you. He will give you opportunity to bless them. 
You know, you're just minding your own business and maybe you're chatting with some folks and everything's good and you're feeling good and suddenly somebody walks up to the group and says, oh, have you heard about sister so-and-so? She's such a blessing. And inside you go, no! How could you think that? If you only knew the truth. And they turn to you, she, you know, she's such a blessing. What do you think of her? Oh, your opportunity. No, it's the Lord testing you. Because it just flows so freely. Especially if you're in a kind of a job, you know, where the people... In the office. You just share all the details. No. Bless them. And they say, what do you think of them? Oh, they're still in church. Oh, they're wearing two shoes today. <laughs> you know, and, and so the challenge is, is you have to think of something good to say about them. And, and no matter how wicked and awful you think they, they are because of things that they've done, you know, it's amazing. You might not be able to think of anything initially, but if you were to sit down with their mother in just a few minutes, they, you know, she could give you volumes one and two. Well, how they're so wonderful. Mothers have, they all, that's another gift they have. They don't see the wickedness of their children. They see the cute little cherub, and, you know. And so you might have to pray and say, God, show me something. Give me something. Because God wants to find out. Have you forgiven from the heart? Or has that root of bitterness begun to grow again? Has it been rooted out? So he says you have to bless them. Stop cursing them. Stop gossiping about them. And bless them. Not only that, he says do good. My sister-in-law. You know, my wife felt the need to reconnect with her. And uh, in the conversation, she began to, she's older than my, my wife, and she starts talking about her financial problems and her medical conditions. And the Lord said to me, send her some money. Get thee behind me, Satan. A couple weeks later, my wife's talking again about her sister. The Lord said, send her some money. I sent her $6,000. I didn't send it to her. It cost me $6,000 because of it. So I said, okay, honey, write her a check. It wasn't $6,000. Write her, you know, but I didn't, I felt good about that. She was thankful. Then later on, she's talking to her again. Quit talking to your sister. Again, the tale of woe and financial problems. God said, send her some more money. Do good. That's showing love. So that brings us to the fourth thing. and That is, you need to pray for them. This is what's going to root out the bitterness. This is what's going to bring the healing and help change you back from the bitter, hateful, because of all the things that it does in you. It changes you. It's destroying you. Your personality gets twisted. There's no joy. There's no peace. You know, what did Jesus do on the cross? They are murdering him. 
Father, forgive them. He's praying. It's how you process it. Father, forgive them. You have to pray. Jesus says, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. No, you don't pray God kill them. You pray for them. You know, when this all happened, uh, you, you have to understand when the court ruled, uh, it ruled against all family members, took my wife's mother out of that beautiful relationship, put her back into an assisted living. Now she's living in a 10-foot by 10-foot room with no, she had a window, but it was all shaded. It was all dark and dreary, no direct sunlight. The only thing she had was a small little dresser with some knickknacks on it in a little single bed. That was her life until she died. Yeah, it was, it was just terrible. But I understood this scripture, and I understood the, 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 how unforgiveness could just ruin everything. I began to pray for her. I said, God, you've got to help her. God, you know, forgive me for my anger, my bitterness, and, and my hatred. And God, I choose to forgive her, and I began to pray for her. God, help her meet her needs. Help her in all the situations she, you know, even to this day, her life's a mess. She's living in her truck. She's like 75 years old, finding a parking lot wherever she can. I mean, her life's just a mess. But I was praying for her. The whole time we're in Romania, I'm praying for her when we came back. And uh, very quickly, I mean, within a couple of weeks after we got back, you know, uh, she got very sick and she was in the hospital and, and uh, she died. And because of the death, you know how family, we all, you have to come together, you know, for the funeral and all that. So here we are. There's the sister. Bride of Satan. And, and, and I don't know how it all happened, but I can visualize this. I'm, you know, we go to the same house. We went to all these family functions together, and we're there at the door. And it was like almost an out-of-body experience. I'm just standing there with my wife, and she opens the door, and she's hi. You know, she's reaching out to give a hug, you know, and, and I'm thinking, where's my knife? But to be honest with you, I, I had no animosity. I didn't feel angry. I you know, it was, it was just it was like God had done something to me. Even she said, come on in. You want something to drink? <laughs> it's poisoned, I don't know. But I had no anger. Because, you know, when you pray for somebody and you're asking God to move in their life, guess what? You're touching the God of heaven, the God of love. And that, as you pray, that's an act of love. Jesus said, love your enemies. And now he's giving practical things you can do. So now... His love is shed abroad in your heart. So that's bringing healing in your heart. Remember? The healing. The love. Now you're expressing that love in a very practical, spiritual way that's impacting their life. And it changes you. It helps you. It brings healing like nothing else will. You know, I remember recently my wife again talking with her sister. And I was the enemy, you know, because I was the one that said no. And, and so after the conversation ends, she says to my wife, you know, give Steve my love. Because prayer makes impact. And so you have to pray. And, you know, the deeper the hurt and pain and the more intense, you're probably going to have to pray for that person. 
You know, when this all happened was just before I went to Romania, and that was in 1999, and I have prayed for that woman almost every day since that time. That's been 23 years, praying God help her, God bless her, God encourage her, God strengthen her, meet every need and heal her, touch her, help her, make yourself real to her. Because I don't want that thing to begin to grow in my heart. I remember there was an older woman that I was praying for at a church, and I prayed for her, nothing happened, and uh, and then I uh, asked her, so if I ask you who really hurts you, who, who bothers you, makes you upset, who comes to your mind? She said, oh, nobody. I said, oh, really, nobody? She goes, yeah. I said, oh, okay. I said, uh, all right, well, why don't you just sit down after the service? I want to come and talk to you. Because I prayed for her a second time, still nothing. And so service is all over. I go over to where she's sitting, and immediately she says to me, you know, I was thinking about what you asked me, and, and I thought about my daughter. You know, she's always coming over to my house, always asking for money. She needs to forgive her daughter. So that really upsets me because I don't have any money because my husband got very sick, and he used up all of our savings. And then he died. You need to forgive your dead husband. And she was kind of the classic woman as I described. You could just see that she, her whole life, she's had issues with people, and and you know she bears it. You, she, you can see it in her face. As I challenge her, you know, you, you you need to just get alone, get a piece of paper and a pencil, and think back over your life from your earliest childhood, as far back as you can remember, and think of the people you've been in conflict with and begin to write their names down. And if they're still, you know, you first you say, God, I, forgive me for my anger, and, and I choose to forgive them, and forgive me for my hatred and bitterness towards them, whatever it is. And if they're alive, and depending on, you know, some things you can just, yeah, I forgive them, it's over. But the, the violations and the abuse... And sometimes if it's multiple occasions, you have to forgive for each occasion. God, forgive me. Because it wounds. It leaves a mark. God, forgive me for my hatred towards them for that thing they did that day. And I forgive them. And I say, you forgive them. And then you begin to pray for them. Make a commitment to pray for them. And if later on, you know, you're even in the midst of, you know, because life can be random moments of things happening. And, you you know, even, you know, people are worshiping God. Oh, hallelujah, God. And, and all of a sudden you remember what happened in church. This happens sometimes in the home. What's wrong with mom? Nobody knows, but she remembered something. And suddenly, it flipped. She's not got any joy or peace. And sometimes we take it out on the innocent. Or those, you know, screaming at your kids. Ah! Kids, what did I do? Oh, well, maybe you did a little something, but not deserving of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Because it's unresolved. God wants to bring healing tonight. Amen. Why don't we bow our heads in this place? 
Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.